Should I should I get the introduction going? Or? Yeah, bro. I've never started. done this before. Go for yeah. it. Uh, ladies Josh and gentlemen, and everyone in between, welcome back to the Invincible FC podcast. Uh, that might not have been as good an intro as Pat does, but full episode today. Uh, a Chelsea special with a special guest, Luca. How are we doing, guys? Glad to be on. Am I the first guest, or is this a second guest? We're second. the third guest. Third? Because we had Sivan for the. I mean, technically, yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know that really we're talking. We're talking about Chelsea, so it's got to be the best yeah. guest so far, you know. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's get, get it. Let's get into it, Josh. Why don't you take the lead on this conversation? Okay. Um, so we wanted to cover a few things because there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, questions regarding Chelsea this year. Um, I mean, I, I guess addressing the elephant in the room, just to start out, our thoughts on the takeover and the whole situation with Abramovich and now uh, Bully coming in. So what are your thoughts, Luca? I mean, obviously, as a diehard Chelsea fan, someone that's lived in London for eight years, right next to the bridge, you know, Chelsea's been a part of my life for a long time. Um, and obviously, all I've known with Chelsea is Roman Abramovich. You know, he bought our club and turned us from, like, a very mid-club into, you know, one of the most dominant powerhouse European clubs in the world. Um, honestly, just one of the most dominant organizations in sports in the world within those 20 years of owning us. You know, trophies were a common thing with Roman Abramovich. Him investing billions of dollars into the club just to see us succeed, something you don't really see owners doing. I mean, you do now more, but he really started that trend. Um, so, yeah, obviously what's going on in Ukraine is a terrible thing, and – Something had to be done, obviously, with his ties due to Putin. But as a Chelsea fan, I think it's hard just to forget our past. I think we got to appreciate everything he did for the club. Um, great two decades. But, yeah, it's time to move on. I'm excited for the future, especially, you know, that it's an American owner now. But, yeah, I mean, the amount of trophies he brought to us is something I'll always be grateful for. Um, terrible ending to a beautiful history. But, you know, bad things happen. So he had to be punished for what he did. And uh, we move. So you think it was the right decision? Yeah, I think maybe in the beginning I was more a little like upset. I was kind of like, this is very unfair, blah, blah, blah. But I think as more facts came out, and yeah, maybe a lot of stuff has come out that he's been trying to help uh, the relations between the two countries. But at the end of the day, he is a Russian oligarch. He is involved within that economy and uh, high, the higher ups with Putin and everything like that. So I do think it would be a very bad look to have a Russian oligarch as an owner during this time. Um, maybe he isn't as involved as people think he is, but at the same time, we can't really be having him as a face for our club, you know? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I have nothing to add, really. I think we were a little bit separate at the beginning on our stances, but it seems like we have kind of similar stances now. Yeah, I think it's a pretty rational viewpoint overall, but yeah, yeah. I respect that. Uh, I guess moving on into the actual, you know, team on the pitch um we can move into just the goals for the upcoming season i think there's a lot a wide range of what people think the goals should be for chelsea so um you want to get started with it yeah i mean I, we're chelsea football club at the end of the day um i think we're the best team if, or one of the best teams if not the best team in the world um we compete right, for trophies good. every year i think i wouldn't even say top four is a goal just because, I mean, that should just be a lock for a club of our statute. Um, I mean, I just I just don't see a team like Arsenal competing with us, to be honest, for top four. So I wouldn't say that's a goal. I would say that should be a lock. But I would say the legit goals we should have, 
especially if we get a couple more signings, which it does look like we could be getting now within the next week or two. Um, I think competing for the title could be a possibility. Um, I think our team right now is very good. But, yeah, we had a few more class talents. I think we're re- really hard to stop. And then, you know, we have Tuchel, who is debatably the best tournament manager in European football. Um, and, you know, he's made the Champions League final two of the last three years. He's made countless English domestic title opportunities for Chelsea already and just not even being the manager for over two years not even two years so I think you know maybe winning an FA Cup should be a legit goal um yeah and then I think competing for the title competing for a Champions League just the normal things those are always those are our goals all the time you know as a Chelsea the Chelsea fan so I don't see that changing anytime soon I don't know what you think Luca I'm really happy for you um I wish every fan had this level of optimism about their team (laughs) Well, I, I wouldn't say it's optimism. It's just, like, that's what we've been doing for the past few years. Like, that's – I think that's fair to say, no? Uh, I, I, would, I would argue that a few, of the, a few of the signs around the club are pointing towards you guys having a bit of a down year. Um, I, I, like that, I like that you're encouraged. I like that you're dreaming big. I think that's, that's, the, fun, that's the fun of the sport, right? Um, there's no point in rooting for your team if you don't think that they can be successful. But uh, the way that things are going right now – um, I just I'm not entirely convinced that that Chelsea will be on the same level as a Liverpool or a Man City or possibly even an Arsenal or Tottenham. Why do you? What do you? What makes you think that it could be a down year? Um, I, I mean, I think that the the end of this season was a little bit tricky. Um, Tuchel is still showing a little bit of struggle in getting the attacking weapons on the team firing. So, like, when we were doing their goals and assist predictions uh, earlier this week, I was looking at it kind of like, I'm not really sure where your goals are going to come from exactly. And so that's the part that gives me some concern. And losing Rudiger, yes, you got Koulibaly. I picked Koulibaly to make my team this season, so I do think he's going to be a fantastic signing. But it's an aging defense and a kind of misfiring at times attack. And that makes me nervous that without, a, like, a huge amount of big money signings like you get most summers – may struggle a little bit. Yeah, I think just to add on, I think uh, going forward, I think it's just a bunch of very high-quality, creative attackers without really an identity because a lot of players don't really know where they're playing. There isn't really a nine. Um, He had trouble with Lukaku last year. He has a, Tuchel, I mean, has a history of not being able to deal with uh, really big egos, uh, especially at PSG. he, he even said it during the preseason. He said, I saw uh, after the Arsenal loss, he said basically that it was a team that was mentally just not very committed um, and they didn't match up because they, uh, you know, people were thinking about their futures at the club and, and there was a lot of confusion around the club. And then, you know, addressing the elephant in the room, just that uh, they failed to sign a lot of players. Barca's taken a lot from them. There's Rafinha, Dembele, Neymar. Uefa Lona. What? Uefa Lona. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the details of that. I don't know how legal that was from them, but um, they certainly have taken them, and they, they're certainly not Chelsea players. So, I mean, there's also the question around Jules Koundé. I don't. You said that they were uh, that they pulled out of that race. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But again, they originally were going for him, so it's another player. Um, yeah, um, I think there's a lot of questions. I have a few responses to that. I mean, those are all very valid points, but I think there's some pretty valid answers. First, um, 
Patrick, you mentioned the uh, last end of last season, which I totally get. It was a disappointing end, even though we did, you know, went to the Bernabeu, almost beat Madrid 3-0. I do say almost because obviously we conceded off that Modric wonder ball to Rodrigo in the last minute or so, which was absolutely heartbreaking, but it happens. Um, that's why we love the game. But, um, you know, like we were going through an extremely tough time that I don't think like any – sports team has ever really been through you know when your owner is sanctioned your club is sanctioned you can't sell tickets you can't even pay for like gas for like you have to use your own money for gas for transportation for hotel rooms like, that's difficult and like i know there these are all like millionaires that are playing they're getting paid ridiculous wages but at the same time like they're also supposed to be treated like how they're paid you know like the top teams treat their players like gods at the end of the day so when you go from you know, having all these privileges, having absolutely nothing, it will affect your play. As much as Tuchel is like, we're going to focus on the, we're going to focus on the game. The players are like, it doesn't matter. We don't care. Like, obviously, in the back of their minds, it definitely does affect them. And I think it showed in their performances. I think the sanctions were really tough on everybody, um, from players to coaches to the backroom staff, like everybody. Um, and it's not an excuse, but I do think that is a pretty valid reason for why we struggled at the end. Um, and moving on to, uh, you know, our attack, I do agree. That is the one thing that really does worry me as a Chelsea fan. I think ever since Hazard's left, even when Hazard was there, yeah, he was the guy. But other than that, we kind of struggled to score if it wasn't him. You know, I guess you could say Diego Costa did a pretty good job. But, yeah, we've had a number nine curse for a while now. Uh, we all thought Tammy was going to break that after his crazy start a few years ago that kind of – ended poorly and then obviously he's at Roma now um it is very worrying um because you're right I mean Raheem Sterling debatably top three maybe even top two left wing in the Premier League you know it's the numbers he's put up in the past few years is incredible um he's gonna be an instant boost but one of his issues is finishing and we've already seen that in preseason he's had many chances that he's created but has been unable to finish them which kind of adds to what we have Havertz, you know, I've been a big backer of Havertz since he's come to the club. You know, he scored the game-winning goal in the Champions League final, which is instantly, like, whatever he does now, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because he helped win us the Champions League, which nobody can really do. Um, so that's massive. But he was a $90 million or whatever dollar signing for us, and he just isn't performing like that. And I don't want to continue to back him and say I think he's going to be world-class because there are issues that he needs to work out. He's a technically – gifted player is super skilled but sometimes it just doesn't work and then obviously we don't have a right wing really I think we talk about Pulisic um American player very talented but another one of those guys is just inconsistent I think that's the the the, the theme of our attack he's just inconsistent uh you probably agree with that right yeah I mean I mean I just think it's a it's a confusing situation for the players themselves because they don't know where they're going to be playing. They don't know how much they're going to be playing because there's there's a lot of, I mean, there's a ton of incredible talent. I mean, you have Sterling adding on to Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech. Timo's probably leaving. Um, Hopefully he's leaving. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. But still, there's these players just don't know what their role is. They don't know what's going to happen to them and how much they're going to play next year. And I think that could be an issue, again, with a bunch of wingers but still no real nine. I don't know. Do you think Sterling plays at the nine? I, I, I'm I think sure. no, I'm pretty confident Havertz is going to be our guy. It's going to be like a false nine type thing. Um, 
I mean, I think Sterling will be our starting left wing. I don't think there's any questions about that. I think he knows that. Tuchel knows that. The team knows that. It looks like Mount's going to be playing on the right. I mean, we have the most stacked midfield in the world, debatably. You know, with Kovacic, Conte, Jorginho, uh, Gallagher. You can put Mount in there. Like, it's just – it's pretty unfair if you ask me, uh, the depth we have there. So, because of that depth, I do think we have the opportunity to put Mount on the right, which I don't necessarily think is his best position. But, you know, Mount is Chelsea. He loves the club. He wants to be the captain. So, I don't think his changing a position will affect his play or affect his mindset. He just wants to help the team win whatever he has to do, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, if Mount's playing out of position on the right wing until we can secure a winger in the future, I don't mind that. You know you're what you're going to get with him. So, like, I don't see that being an issue, um, especially if you have someone like Sterling on the other side. I think Sterling will be create. He's going to be, like, what Hazard was to us. I think he's going to be creating all of our opportunities. And then hopefully Havertz is just a confident goal scorer. Which I mean, it's hopeful, but I have confidence that he'll be able to do it. Um, but the thing is, also, a lot of people are talking about that. A lot of people want to leave the club. I like, for example, like Timo Werner and Pulisic, um, both good players. But I haven't really been a fan of their mindsets. That you know, I feel like they're partially blaming Tuchel. They're like, we don't know what they, he, we don't know what he wants from us. We don't know what position we're going to play. How many minutes we're going to get. Like, how is Tuchel going to be able to tell them what he wants from them when they're just so inconsistent? You know, like, if you're an inconsistent player, a manager's not going to like you just because, like, you're not showing it on a consistent level. You're not going to be able to be a key player for a club like Chelsea. I mean, there's, I'm sure you guys have been, like, there's players on Arsenal, like maybe Martinelli, who isn't necessarily always on, his, on top of his game. Um, I guess it's a little different at Arsenal. But I don't know. I just the issue between the players and the coach. I just think it's more of an inconsistent thing, and players get upset, and they're just not playing at their best. So how can Tuchel show them more minutes and stuff like that? Um, it's an interesting point that you're raising. I, I mean, I don't think that like you can sit here and like say that Timo Vernon deserves more minutes because he doesn't. He hasn't played well. I'd rather have the money for him to be honest. Sell him for thirty-five million. Be able to fund someone else. So you can bring somebody else in to fail as well. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. Like, I think that the mindset with the attack is a little, it's a little short-sighted in that respect because it's not, you can't just like, you, you guys tried that. You know, you brought in Lukaku and he didn't work out either. And, you know, who are they, they're going to bring in some other big name from another big league who's going to flop again. And I think that there needs to be, not so much just like, a, okay, who's the next big name that we can bring through the door? There needs to be an evaluation of how you're going to make that work. It doesn't seem to be that there is any of that. It's just the same thing for all the guys, and it's not working for any of them. So, I mean, you can shuffle Pulisic and, and Werner out the door. By all means, I think Pulisic should leave. I think staying at Chelsea would be a mistake for his career. Um, but I don't know that, you know, just bringing back Tammy Abraham or, or you know, buying another big-name striker um, – Probably would have probably wanted to get Darwin Nunez. Um, I just don't know that that's the answer. And no, I totally agree, but I don't think that is the answer. I mean, if you look at Lukaku, he was unwanted by Tuchel, and that's that's a fact that's come out. The reason there was an issue right away is because Marina, who was in charge of all of our transfers, who is the goat, all love for her, um, but I, she wasn't going to work with Boley. Um, she she was told by Roman, we need a striker. We need a number nine. Go go spend as much money as you want on whoever you want. Tugel didn't want him. He wasn't going to fake Tugel's game plan ever. And that's what the issue was. And that's why Tugel wanted him to get 
wanted to loan him out. I mean, yeah, Lukaku wanted to leave, but at the end of the day, Tuchel, the reason he wanted to leave is because Tuchel just didn't back him because he wasn't the player he wanted. Um, and that's also why we're not a complete team. Like, I love what's going on right now between Bully and Tuchel because Bully is giving full faith into Tuchel as our future manager, which is something Chelsea has never done under our old ownership. Um, and Tuchel's getting the picks. He gets to decide who we go towards. And obviously, yeah, Kunde and Rafinha, you know, whatever happened with Barcelona, they sold like 50% of their club. They'll probably go bankrupt in the next five, 10 years if they don't win a lot of trophies. So, yeah, in the short run, maybe they'll look good. But in the long run, I don't think it'll work out for them. Um, but Tuchel is really in charge of who we're bringing in, who we're scouting. I mean, recently, I think it was 20 minutes ago, we designed 18-year-old. I don't want to butcher his name, but I think it's Chuku Mecca. He's an Austrian, or maybe he's British. I'm not sure, to be honest. But he's an 18-year-old from Aston Villa who looks to be one of the futures, future ballers of football. Um, and the reason he signed with Chelsea is Tuchel had a phone call with him the other day. And other teams like Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Man City all wanted his signature, but Tuchel was able to convince him. Obviously, that's not going to be an immediate impact signing, but looking towards the future, it's going to be massive. And I think that's what Chelsea is trying to do now. I think we're trying to bring in youth um, and obviously bring in some veterans like we have with, you know, Raheem and Koulibaly. But we're really looking at the youth and Tuchel scouting those players personally, which is awesome. Uh so my only question for you then is I think that, that some of what you said right there is the reason that I believe Chelsea are going to have a down year. The identity of the club is changing. It hasn't changed overnight, changing over time. Tuchel taking over like control of the program is shifting the whole way that things are done. You're not making big money, quick signings anymore. You're buying the youth. You're going through the project. We've seen teams like Arsenal do this, and it takes a number of years for it to come good, but you have to trust the manager. So, you know, I don't know where you would stand if Chelsea finished sixth this year. But I think that if you're if the ownership is going to back Tuchel and give him the time to redesign the team in his idea, then that's not an unrealistic expectation for what could happen in a rebuilding year for the project. Yeah, well, the end of this, to add on. So I just to add on. I think um, very quickly, um, Tuchel is generally a win now manager, and I mean he might he might be he might be into the role of of uh, rebuilding the project and going for a few years. But he's never really done that before. Um, and so I'm curious to see what happens there. I mean, maybe he's able to get success out of them this year. But um, if he's going, if he's planning for the future and he's generally a win-now manager, I'm not sure how that will work. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I understand that you're like, oh, if we're technically somewhat rebuilding right now um, under Tuchel, we may have a down year. We saw that with Arsenal. I don't really think you can compare the two, though, because we're – I guess, quote-unquote, rebuilding, even though I wouldn't even necessarily call it that. i say we're just adding some key players where we were lacking in the past. Even if, like, even though if we don't get any more signings, which I don't think is the case, um, the Brighton left-back, Kirkarella, I think is his name, looks like he's going to be signing with Chelsea any day now. Fofana's trying to push out of Leicester to join Chelsea, which may not be realistic. Fofana better not happen. I mean, Fofana he's recently, he, he's, he's, I mean, he said that he wants to be a Chelsea player. It's his Something. club that he's grown up supporting. He took Lester out of his bio this morning. Um, he's really pushing for the exit. Obviously, Lester wants a crazy amount of money, so I'm not sure if that will go through this window. But I think his next club will be Chelsea, regardless of when that is. You know, Garbadal, another really young superstar center back, the Croatian from um, from Leipzig. He could be joining Chelsea in the future. Obviously, these are all defenders, but you know, you got to start somewhere. But regardless, regardless of that, I do think we will have a couple more signings coming in in the next couple of weeks. 
but even if we like don't, I I don't understand how you can say that we're gonna have a down year with the talent that we have. I mean, like, I, I just I don't see it. This is the same team that won the Champions League. This is the same, and you add like a player like Koulibaly to that, and Raheem Sterling. I mean, that's our attack's better than what it was when we won Champions League. Now, I mean, so like, I don't I don't understand how you can have a down year with that. And then you have yeah, a manager man. that's just so good. I just don't see us dropping out of the top four. I don't think that's your, possible. Your manager who's so good. <laughs> Brief the press saying them that you guys would not be ready for week one of the season. Yeah. Well, that's, why, that's, that's going why I have into so much respect for him. I have so much respect for him because he's the most honest manager in the world. Um, I think he's right about that. He's right. But so I also think probably. people take that out of context. We had a really disappointing preseason game against Arsenal. And, you know, I've already had a conversation with Josh about this. We're talking about preseason. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, preseason's semi-important. You know, it's just players getting minutes under their belt, getting back into shape. But results from preseason don't matter. Like whatsoever. Moves into Charlotte FC. I mean, well, well, it is what it is. Like, yeah, it's it's funny and it's kind of it's lame, but it's like I personally don't care because first off, we aren't playing our legit lineups. They're not all in shape, and it's just it's time. It's just we're trying things out. You know, we tried a four three three. I don't think that's gonna work for us. That's what Tuchel wanted to try, and it looked awful. And I will say this, Arsenal looked amazing. I've been rating Jesus as being one of the top goal scorers in the Premier League next year. Regardless of how Arsenal does, I think Jesus bags 20-plus goals next year. I think I'm my roommate at school, he's a City fan. I've been watching Jesus for a couple of years now. He's a world, he's really a world-class player, and I think he's going to show that at Arsenal. Um, so I think that's enough for Arsenal to compete for, you know, like maybe trophies or securing a top-four spot. Probably not, but you never know. But my thing is, I just truly believe Chelsea is way too good of a team to drop out of the top four. And I also do believe Spurs isn't as good as people think they're going to be. I think their window has been massively overrated. Uh, I'm not a fan of a lot of the picks they brought in. Um, yeah, they have Conte, but it's also Spurs. You have to remember, it's, it's Spurs. Like, they don't really do much. Um, I just don't see Spurs or Arsenal taking a spot from us. I can see, see Arsenal finishing over Spurs, to be honest. Um, I think Spurs are really, really overrated going into the season. But I think I think one thing going back to what you said earlier about how you how you know Chelsea has an unbelievably talented squad and a great manager. Of course, you're right about that. So how can they miss out on top four? How can they not be right up there in contention? But you really look at the Premier League this year, and it, it I think it's improved a lot this year in terms of talent, top to bottom. And I think the top six has gotten better as well. United is definitely going to be better. I think uh... they have. A, I think, in my opinion, they have a better manager. They're looking better in preseason. I know you said obviously preseason isn't everything, but it, I think they'll improve a little bit from last year. You said, you know, Arsenal brought in Jesus. Who knows if that's enough, but, but it's definitely going to help them. Spurs, I know you say they're overrated, but they're still going to be in contention at least for top four. And then yeah, yeah. top two. So I think no, I'm hearing people saying Spurs could be a potential title contender, and I'm having none of it. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think. I don't just just you wait until our our, our table predictions come out on yeah. Friday. Well, I know Chelsea's not going to be in the top four. I know that, so <laughs> I won't be excited for that. Also, yeah. I want to talk about uh, your takes on Tuchel and the standings for best manager. You're putting him at six, or That's would you put him at five, five or six? Yeah, I think six. we both had him five, fifth or sixth in that. In I mean, that how can you not put Tuchel in the top three, given that he's the last? manager in the Premier League to win the Champions League. He's been top four every year since he's joined Chelsea. He's been in every domestic cup title since he's joined Chelsea. 
Like I, I just argue, that, I mean, I would argue that you you've you've made the points yourself in a way. Um, talking about the quality that Chelsea have in their squad. I mean, the the quality of the players in the Chelsea team, they on the same level as Liverpool and Man City. And the fact that they aren't, you can really only point in one direction. So I think that, you know, I don't think Tuchel's as good as Klopp or Guardiola, and I don't think there's any contest about that. I don't think that's a question. And I think on top of that, other managers are doing almost as much as he is with squads that are nowhere near as good. So I, I, I just believe that there deserves to be merit. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Tuchel completely had a master class against Pep in the uh, Champions League final. So, I mean, you could argue that head-to-head Tuchel is at least better than I think Pep. That you know, was more of a disaster class from Pep based on the formation he played. But We were I, talking about I mean, I wanna, League managers. Yeah, true. But I also wanted to mention that Champions League run. I mean, it was a great run for Chelsea, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, it was you know incredible what they did. They, they didn't have the best squad in the Champions League. They weren't expected to make that run, and he did take over midseason. So I have to give props for that. Um, but I think, and I've mentioned this many times before, that um, it's easier for a, you know, a dark horse to win the Champions League than to win the Premier League, and harder for a, you know, a top tier club to win the Champions League, because, you know, it, it's one off games, and they and they kept winning these one off games, and and you have to give them credit for that. But I don't think, uh, I don't know if that would happen again if the same the same teams went out there. Um, in that same Champions League season. I don't know if that would happen again. I don't know if Chelsea would make it all that way. And I mean, I, it almost happened last year. What happened last year? We were pretty With, close, you know, making another pretty big run. I mean, yeah, but Real Madrid is just always – Real Madrid was going to do that, but – Master yeah. class every, every game, last Champions League. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it worked. In, in the Champions League, you, did, you still did pretty well. You, you made it decently far. But, again, in the Premier League, that kind of – took the weight of it. it it bared the weight of it and um i don't know i don't know how that'll replicate this year and again i agree i, I agree yeah possible. i i rank those managers based on their fits for the team for the upcoming season obviously tuchel has a much better resume than arteta but i picked arteta ahead of him because i think arteta is gonna you know have a bigger impact with arsenal next season i think he's a better fit for next season all right well fair enough i mean I, I do completely disagree, but, like, I respect your opinion. Um, I mean, it's a possibility. It's not, like, a crazy hot take, in my opinion. It's a possibility. I just don't agree. But two things regarding that Champions League run that year, another thing that I would like to say about Tuchel that I don't think is talked about enough because what he did was just incredible. When he took over, you have to remember, Chelsea was one of the most struggling teams in Europe at the point. We were in ninth place when Tuchel took over ninth place in the Prem and Tuchel helped Klaus all the way back to the top four. I don't think any other manager is doing that. I don't think any other manager is doing that. Maybe a Klaus or like a Pep, but like going from ninth to fourth in the matter of a couple months, that's, that's incredible. And I don't think that gets praised enough. Um, Even by Chelsea fans. I think people kind of just remember him making top four, but not really describing how he got us to top four. Um, But yeah, that was just incredible to me. I don't know what y'all think about that, but. I mean, I didn't realize they were ninth. I, I think I was thinking about the season before when Lampard did finish fourth, despite you know a little bit of a disappointment. Um, yeah, that might have been what I was thinking of, but uh, I did not realize they were ninth. So that's impressive. It, it was impressive when he took over what he did. But again, I think I think you know two or three years down the line, he's never really made it past three years with one of at least with Dortmund and, and PSG. Um, so I don't, you know, we'll see what what happens here, but.
We also have to look at PSG. PSG's honestly struggled since Tuchel left. You know, Tuchel left into a Champions League final. He got fired. He'd won every League One title. He won all the domestic cups. The reason he got fired was because PSG said, no, we should be winning the Champions League right now. And he was like, all right, fire me. See what happens. They fire him. They bring in another coach. It's supposed to be, you know, this big deal. A bunch of clubs wanted him. Even though I really think Pochettino is a very overrated manager. I think he's shown that at PSG. Um, I don't think what he did with Spurs was anything great. I think he did what most managers do at Spurs, and it's just like sometimes top four, sometimes a little better, a little better than top four, but nothing, no trophies, nothing to speak for. Um, yeah, he had that really lucky run in the Champions League uh, with VAR helping them out a lot. But when Pochettino took over PSG, they dropped off. They didn't win the league, which was crazy. And they also were eliminated in the Champions League extremely early. So I, I don't understand why Tuchel was fired, but their loss was our benefit. I'll take it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair just because it's very hard to win and actually do well as a PSG manager, considering doing well is winning the Champions League along with the Liga title. So Which no I guess that's pretty accomplished. What? Which no one's even accomplished. And then, right, exactly. I mean, we took their best player and their manager and won the Champions League that same year. So, yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, right. but another thing I want to talk about, which I think is really important that we haven't covered at all. I know you're not a fan. We've had a lot of arguments about this guy over the past few years. Um, going back probably to three or four years ago, N'Golo Conte. Um, I, I, Tuchel rates him as, you know, our guy. I rate him as, like, <laughs> how you would say De Bruyne is the city or how like Benzema is to Madrid. I think that's Conte to Chelsea or yeah, Conte to Chelsea. I think without Conte, I don't think we're a team that can compete with Conte. I think we're one of the best teams in the world. I think he's that good. Maybe six years ago. You should watch Chelsea more often. He's a a phenomenal player, but I don't watch him. Like, Like the times that I've watched Madrid, you see Benzema and like, the whole team hinges on everything he does. It, it's just not that's just not the case in Chelsea with Ungolo. I mean, who he was our man? He was a man of our mat, man of the match every game. We won the, every game in the knockout stages. We won the championship. I will say he had a great run in the Champions League. He, he was our man of the match. Everything was because of him. If you look at the finals, then? he stopped then? everything. Well, yeah, he had a, he dropped off a little last year, but that was also you know. Everyone on it, like, yeah, we didn't have. I think last year was considered a job off for us, even though we were in four finals last year and won two of them. But he also was. But, I think he was struggling before that Champions League run as well. I think that was a great run for him, and he did a great. I mean, he was spectacular during those few games. But since three, four years ago, I haven't seen that much other than that run from him. To be honest. I mean, yeah, but that run is like. That run is all that really yeah, matters. Yeah, he's, he's won everything, and I you have to respect him. And this is also a World Cup year, so he's going to be playing his best football. Like this is his best. This is going to be one of his best years. I mean, he also has to be this World Cup choke here, but because uh, the, the winners. I first, do. But... I do. Hot take: France is going to struggle in this World Cup. But regardless, Conte's Conte. Also, if we're going to talk about preseason, because I know Arsenal fans like to talk about beating us, I'm going to say three zero because Saka was clearly offsides, but. It was it was three zero. It doesn't. Matter. I'm I'm gonna come in and, and, <laughs> and agree with you that preseason doesn't matter. I was not a, like making a comment about us beating you guys in the preseason. I was simply making a comment on the fact that Tuchel said you guys won't be ready for the season. No, no, fair enough. But I mean, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying a lot of people in general have been talking a lot about that game. Fair um, enough. 
Yeah. Conte didn't play in that game. Conte, because of his whole vaccine issue coming to the U.S., he wasn't able to travel. Conte stayed in England, trained by himself, him and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who also has actually been looking pretty good. I think Tuchel kind of wants to play him as a backup right wing back, which would be really interesting for him. We'll see. But anyways, we're not talking about him. We're talking about Conte against Udinese in our last preseason game. Right after Gant, Josh posted the uh, the post about how Conte's going to flop, he scored an absolutely beautiful goal against Udinese and then absolutely just carried the game for us, and we won very comfortably. And I know it's preseason. I know it's a mid-team, mid-Italian team. But it's just like from what I saw during preseason without Conte versus with Conte, it's just two different teams to me. Like, it really is. And I think Tuchel says it all the time. I think – Everyone on Chelsea agrees with that. When two or Conte's in our lineup, I just I, I'm comfortable. I feel like there's no team we can't beat. When Conte isn't in our lineup, that's when I'm like, I don't know if we're gonna win this game. I think he has that impression on me. Um and a lot of people, and I know maybe you guys aren't fans of him, but I don't know if it was because of that slip against Arsenal that made him people think he wasn't very he's, good. He's had like one good performance against Arsenal, I swear. Well, Arsenal also just always beats us better. these days. You guys just oh, always yeah. beat us now. But since the Leicester days, remember when Leicester won the league, they lost three games. Two of them were to Arsenal. Conte's had like one or two good games against Arsenal, I swear. Like, great against everybody else. And fine, Conte's an amazing player. Better um, than amazing. But, I think he's one of the, he's one of those players that like is just different. Just different. So I'm not going to contest you on that, but we can't be debating Conte's quality in the team based on preseason matches if we're going to agree that preseason matter. Well, no, I'm just I don't saying. Know that, I don't know that, like, how he's played in the last couple of weeks will really mean much. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. The team is very different when he plays. Um, but I think you would say the exact same thing about Thomas Partey at Arsenal, and I wouldn't say that the whole team hinges on him. I don't think he's our best player. But I think that I don't that, think you can compare Thomas Partey to. Conte I don't think I'm not attempting to. Um, in their careers, maybe now. But no, no, come on, no. <laughs> okay, come we're on. not going to go that far. We're not going to go that far. But what I am going to say is, I think that there's a lot more going on to that team. I think Conte is slightly less important than you've made him out to be. I mean, I disagree. I think he's going to be doing wonders for us this year. But hey, only time will tell. You know. We'll be able to see it. That's the beauty of this game is everything you say you'll be able to witness in the next few weeks. Sure. Um, a year from now, we should have a little, a little reunion of this and we can, yeah. we can see how we – Yeah, are. mid-season conversation. Yeah. Well, um, what do you guys think about Gallagher, by the way? Um, we're pretty split on Gallagher. Did, uh, you, did you listen to our uh, – <laughs> uh, Yeah, well, I know – I think it was Josh said he thought he was going to do well and then yeah. Pat, you said he was going to flop. Yeah, I did. In fact, he was my flop, yeah. I, I'm just, I just am nervous uh, about it. I, like you said, the Chelsea midfield is really strong, and I completely agree with you about that. I think Chelsea is one of the best midfields in the league, if not in the world. Um, and as a result, a young player like Gallagher is going to – I just don't know where he fits. I, he's going to have to play exceptionally, exceptionally well um, in, order to, in order to force his way into that lineup. So I just – I don't know. It makes me nervous for him and his time to develop. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I have nothing really to add. I, I already said before, I think he's an amazing player. Again, I'm not sure exactly where he fits in because there's a lot of competition. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's a great player. We'll see how he fits in. 
Um, I do want to get this moving, so we have one more segment. Is there anything else you want to say before we get into the last segment? I was just going to agree with Pat on Gallagher. I think he's a class talent, but I am slightly, as a Chelsea fan, I know it's shocking I'll say this, I'm a little worried how he's going to adapt, you know, Chelsea's playing style. I think when he goes in, you know, he'll do a good job. I don't think he'll be getting the minutes of, like, a Kovacic, a Jorginho, or a Conte. But I think he does need to take every opportunity he gets to really impress Tuchel. But I will say this. I don't think we would have kept him um, if Tuchel wasn't confident that, you know, he'll adapt well and do well for us. Because, you know, we could have gotten a lot of money for him. Um, A lot of teams wanted him. Crystal Palace definitely wanted to have him stay. So I will say that if Tuchel's confident in him, then I'm going to be confident in him just because, you know, everything Tuchel says, I'm going to agree with. I'm going to back my manager. I have confidence in him. That's fair. All right, so I guess we'll move into the last segment. Uh, basically, basically, this or that, uh, as we end pretty much all of our episodes. Um, we wanted to compare two players, one Arsenal player, one Chelsea player, because why wouldn't we? Um, <laughs> uh, do you want to? Yeah, so uh, we had a little conversation before this, and Luca, I'm sorry to put you on the spot here, um, because Josh and I kind of know what's coming, and we're going <laughs> to spring it on you right now. Um, but we, we picked... Um, and just because they play a similar position, not necessarily in the same style, but a similar position. Uh, you've talked about Mount playing on the wing. Now, Mason Mount and Martin Odegaard. Uh, I knew uh, that was coming. coming. <laughs> Compare and contrast. Um, Josh, why don't I guess, you kick this one off? I guess I can kick it off, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think they're very different types of players, uh, even if Mount's kind of a 10, maybe more fluid as he can play out wide as well. Um, Odegaard's more of a traditional 10, but kind of you know in the new generation of like that Ozil type of player where he's um, just very he's very technically sound he can uh, he's intelligent he his vision and his IQ is very good he, he likes to be on the ball a lot um, and basically creating chances for his teammates um, I think Mount he he does a lot of that but I think he does a lot of creating for himself as well um, so he's he's better in front of goal he can you know he he has a hell of a shot um and i think he has the overall tools as an actual goal scorer and i think without a, a, a true nine this year he might have a big role in terms of the goal scoring um mount's always going to get you know better stats going to get more goals and assists i think odegaard i'm going to pick odegaard over him because they're very similar ages but i'm going to say that he does it more in big games i think mason mount fantastic player but he, you know, he, he'll score like a hat-trick against Norwich. I think he did that last year. And then he won't show up in a, in a you know, a few Champions League games or in, in a few games against Big Six. I think he scored against Real Madrid. I think he did well in those games. But um, overall, I think I trust Odegaard more. And I think even the games that Odegaard doesn't score or assist, I think he's on the ball all the time. He's always creating for his teammates. He's setting up chances and getting his guys into better positions. And I think he's going to have a great season this year. Yeah, I mean, I honestly have nothing bad to say about Odegaard. I actually picked him up for my fantasy team this year. I think he's going to be a really key player for Arsenal. I think he's a very talented, good player. He's young. I think he has a really bright future ahead of him. I think Arsenal got a really good player in him. But, I mean, I just don't think he can – I just don't think you can say he's better than Mount. I think Mount's one of the best talents in the world for his age and his position. I take him over Foden any day of the week. Um, and yeah, Mount scores goals. He gets assists. Whoa. He puts in great corners. He puts in great set pieces. 
But, like, I don't even think his best attribute has to do with what he does on the ball. I think his best attributes come defensively in his work rate and his press. If you watch a Chelsea game, if Mount's Mount, – I'm not going to say Mount has a great game every game offensively. There are some games, you know, where he isn't scoring, he isn't getting on the ball as much as he should be. But, like, that happens to everybody unless you're, like, a Messi or a De Bruyne. Um, and what he does that impresses me so much when he's not having a great technical game or an on-ball game is his work rate defensively. Like, he's always putting pressure on their defenders and their midfielders. He's causing breakups all the time. He's winning balls back when he loses them. He's cutting off passing lanes. He just makes it like a nightmare for every other team's CDM and defenders. Um, and I don't, I don't know how often you do watch Chelsea, but I will say if you watch Chelsea coming up this year, the one thing to keep an eye on is Mount's off-the-ball press. Um, and it's something that I'm trying to replicate in my personal game for this upcoming season is I just want to be like a dog off the ball because the best players in the world these days, that's what they do, you know? And I think he's one of the best at it. Fair enough. I like that. That's a nice little personal note to end, end the podcast. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, all right. Oh, yeah, I should probably make a comment yeah, about this, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, this one's hard for me. I think I'm somewhere between the two of you. Um, loyalty lines indicate that I am going to pick Martin Odegaard. Um, I obviously watch him play more often than I watch Mason Mount play, but Mason Mount is – um, somebody who I greatly admire. I think he is somebody who is going to keep Christian Pulisic out of that team for a good long time. Um, and uh, I think he has a lot of potential. I don't – I made a face at first when you said the thing about Foden, but now that I think about it, I don't know that you're wrong to put him in that category. Um, I – it remains to be seen what happens this year. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Phil Foden is. <laughs> But I do think that um, maybe a place in that conversation is not unwarranted, although I am going to pick Martin Odegaard because I think he's better than Foden. Um, I don't think either are better than Foden, but that's another another story. Yeah, again, that's not – Honestly, I we're think not Foden's over- a bit overrated. <laughs> I, I would consider Odegaard and Foden to be quite similar. I don't think Odegaard gets rated enough, but I just put him out above them. I just think Foden's special. I think he's on the level. Uh, Okay. Okay. We're not opening this can of worms, guys. Yeah. <laughs> for another twenty minutes. Thank you so much for joining us. It was nice to finally meet you and get to talk to you a little bit, man. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I'm excited to maybe come back in a month yeah. or two. See how everyone's takes have gone. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely do a checkup. We'll check out. If there's a big Chelsea result that needs commenting on, we'll, yeah. we'll bring you. Oh in. yeah. Hopefully for the good. Twice next year, we'll we'll come back to it. <laughs> hey, Arsenal could beat us twice, and we'll still win the league. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're not wrong about that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, side note for everybody, uh, Luca just mentioned his uh, um, his personal his personal game. We're actually, I'm actually going to be playing against him in the second game of the season next year. So, uh, Brandeis against Denison. Uh, yeah, in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Waltham, Mass. Uh, come to the game, stream it. Everyone, don't know what day it is. Look it up. Yeah. Luca, you have a nice day. You too. Thank you, boys. Yeah.